everyone and welcome to the hellboy book club my name is john salinas and i'm here with Aubrey Lovelace, and i'm danielle hey everybody it's an all hellboy podcast we're reading all the hellboy comics and even some books and even sometimes we're talking to all of our friends and every week we interact with our awesome listeners and now danielle's going to tell you all about it no benny decker is going to tell you all about it Hello, everybody. It's Benny Decker, book club member here to talk about the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Oh, it's so much fun. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to get out trades and floppies, get out hardback copies. You're going to read You're gonna read the stuff. It's from Mike Mignola. You're going to read it, and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to listen to the podcast, and uh, John and Danielle and Aubrey, they're going to talk about it. And then uh, you're going to have some thoughts, and you're going you're gonna to write in a, hey, you damn guys, it could be like, it could be an email or it could be on Twitter or Facebook and you're gonna you're gonna write in about it and then uh, they're gonna talk about some stuff and then they're gonna talk about what you talked about and then you can talk about what they talked about and there's all of that stuff and uh, uh, sometimes there could even be a, a mock Tweedell there could be one of those or a, a, Max, a Matt Strackbine there could be a Ross Radke there could be uh, all kinds of wonderful book club members hey you know what I'm three say your name ready one two three Hey, you're a book club member too. Aww. There you go. That's uh, you know what, and it's all about it's all about reading and and friendship too. Back to you, Josh. Wow, that was, so that was really cool. Thank you, adorable. Benny Decker. That was so awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you. That was great. Benny, do you do voiceovers for like cartoons or anything? Yeah, really. Very <laughs> no, I just mean like there was a lot of um, you know character yeah, acting going that was on really there. Cool. That was, yeah, really cute. I like that a lot. That was very cute. And yeah, I like the part where say your name. Well, you're a book member too. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so thank you, Benny, so much for the intro. He said, I recorded a tell you more about it for the podcast. I did it in one take. <laughs> wow. In hopes of achieving maximum chaos for Danielle. I hope you <laughs> damn guys like it. Thanks for all you do. Well, that was very uh, sweet and thoughtful thank you, Benny. of you to want to maximize the chaos. Yeah, really yeah. <laughs> and I want to thank all the listeners for hanging out over the hiatus. You know, we had a couple weeks off, and then we dropped that four-hour episode <laughs> yeah, last week. Yeah, when you week. told me it was four hours long, I was like, what It is took that? me like three days to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you listened to it? Oh, yeah. I had to. Right I mean, on. I didn't have to. I mean, you know, there was somebody holding a gun to my head saying, listen to it, damn it. <laughs> No, but that's, uh, wow, four hours. That's yeah, like, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I was actually, I'd already finished the episode. I'd edited it all. I was pretty happy with it. And then it was like 11 o'clock at night, and you were like, what are you doing? Why are you waking on yeah. your computer to work on this episode again? <laughs> I had done everything, and then I make like mental notes of stuff that I'm going to go put in later. Like, oh, I'm going to go put in that song that sure. Brian Levy talked about right. or whatever. I had forgotten that I was going to put, because a very special thing happened. Our resident musician, Paul from Gardaharn, actually sang the Frankenstein Underground while we were doing the interview. He did the little underground thing. And I made a note in my head that I was going to go back and put that little music underneath it. And then I forgot. And so at 11 o'clock at night, I was scrubbing through the four-hour episode trying to find the one moment where that was so I could put that in or else I wasn't going to be satisfied. At one point, I said, I'm just going to let it go. And I was like, no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to look for it even harder. Especially because it was Paul from Gardaharn. Yeah, it was great. He has such a great voice, too. So that was a lot of fun. Right on. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, John, once again, you you did an outstanding job in editing that episode. I mean, it flowed so well together. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. Everybody seemed to. I might have to appreciate break my rule online. of not yeah. listening to this and actually listen to it. Yeah, I want to thank everybody, all the guests that we had on the last show. I want to thank Matt for his comic. You know, I put it up on our link tree. Um, if you haven't read it, you definitely got to go check it out, especially if you've made it all the way to Beat PRD number 15. I also want to shout out everybody on Mike Manuela's Art on Facebook, Stone Outstanding Place. You know, so many cool people on there, as well as the Mignolaverse subreddit. And Skeleton Crew, I want to shout them out. They just released a Kate pin. Now you can oh, buy yeah, a Kate pin. That. So I thought that was really cool. Of course, you know, I had to order one. Right on. Get a Kate pin for your favorite manager in your life. Yeah. (laughs) Favorite desk jockey who who doesn't get enough enough gratitude or thanks. Yeah, and they'll be like, who is this? Yeah. (laughs) What is this? I don't even. Awesome. It's good to be back. And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. Get out, trades and floppies. Get out, hardback copies. Digital is fine. Read along time. We had a Hey You Damn Guys from Andrew Adair. Andrew Adair. Book club member. That's right. Remember when we started Devil You Know, I did Disclaimer Times because we had to talk about that, you know, with the co-writer and all that. And we had like a good discussion about that. Sure, sure. He said, I really loved your discussion. I teach high school English and we study school of criticisms in the class. Your discussion falls squarely in the wheelhouse of the new school of literary criticism. This way of looking at works of art attempts to completely divorce the work itself from the artist. Mm. To quote the Wikipedia entry, it emphasized close reading, particularly of poetry, to discover how a work of literature functioned as a self-contained, self-referential aesthetic object. Interesting. I've often struggled with this, and it's something I understand intellectually, but struggle to get past emotionally. Sometimes you can't get away from feeling icky and appreciate the work in isolation. But the point you guys make here about it being the work of a team really helps. That's still a major point of contention with me is that if a team is responsible for something, yeah. then it should be judged on the merits of the team. And like yeah. the the whole thing of where, oh, you can divorce completely the person who made it from the thing. Not all. I mean, not always. Like, uh, obviously, a lot of musicians and writers and artists will say, this is my form of communication with the world. Art is communication. And I'm this is exactly well. And then later you find out, well, I don't really know if I right. want to necessarily receive these communications or anything like that and that's totally fine and valid but uh yeah the whole thing about it you know taking an entire team to create like that does take i think uh, a second glance yeah so you should pause yeah and consider that maybe yeah he said keep up the great work always a fun listen thank you so much andrew hope to hear from you again thank you great to hear your perspective on that appreciate that we also got a Hey You Damn Guys from Andrew Jerome. Andrew Jerome. Book club member. We did hear from Andrew back when we discussed Devil You Know, and he had a lot of criticisms with the book, which were valid, sure, yeah. and I wanted to discuss. That's fine to do. And he actually wrote back in after that episode aired. He said, sorry if I came off a bit grumpy in my letter. <laughs> I'm still disappointed with the finale, but I didn't communicate my reasons very well. I have no problem with any of the events that occur, just the execution and the pacing, which I think is interesting because okay, th- that's yeah. what Mark talked about. Sure, if you listen yeah. to, if you got to Mark Tweedell's really epic interview in that four-hour chunk, he talked a lot about how his problems were with the structure right. of the comic. I think we all tend to, and with, with, yeah. with things that have a big impact on us or that we're really... Uh, anticipating i feel like a lot of us will play script doctor or whatever with yeah. like oh if only they had done this if only they had done that and it's like well 
you know, they did it the way they did it, I guess. And so that's that's kind of what we're looking at. But yeah, I, uh, I do that sometimes, you know, with we'll be watching a movie and I'm like, why didn't they just right, do yeah. whatever? And, <laughs> oh, it would have been so much better. I definitely understand the desire to go in and say, oh, I think I could make this better. I mean, that's that's something that we all do every once in a while, right? Oh, yeah. And he also said those final Mignola pages, however, are absolutely stellar and they did move me. I just wish the rest of W No measured up. You guys did raise a bunch of great points, though, which I'll keep in mind on my next reread. Keep up the good work. With love, Andrew Jerome. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Absolutely. Thanks for coming back in. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, that's great. And um, I feel, you know, when you're, when you're so connected to a PR, you've been following something for a while and you've been reading it for a while, like, you know, you're going to go over that with a fine tooth comb. You're going to look at that a lot more closely than you're going to look at a lot of other stuff. So, and, and someone like Andrew is probably waiting for it for 25 years. It's understandable. You know yeah, I mean? that you're, that you're going to, you know, and that's fine. I think um, that's what the book club's for. You know, you get to have a discussion about it. And oh, yeah. We welcome all those different points of view. And of I like, I like your clarifications. It's always good to hear from you. So, yeah, that's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Brendan Cahill. Brendan Cahill. Book club member. If we're saying your name incorrectly, please do feel free to correct us. We do want to say your name right. Yeah. So. He said, congratulations on getting through the whole 25-year mega story. You definitely did do a thing and more. Enjoy your break. So, uh, some of these I got while we were on break. Oh, okay. I'm catching up on some Hey yeah, You Damn Guys here. Catch up here. Between work and family, I've rarely been up to date with the podcast, so I'm always too late to contribute to any discussion. The holidays have finally given me a chance to catch up, and I wanted to say thanks and well done. It must be a really satisfying feeling, especially over this last year. Listening to your conversations in the back and forth with the listener feedback have been such a welcome relief from the anxieties of the day. Goddamn Giuliani. Remember that was one of the lines? Uh, uh, <laughs> fucking Giuliani. <laughs> My own feelings on the Devil You Know cycle itself fall a little bit more in the disappointed camp, aside from the great final issue, which really is a Hellboy story. But I haven't been too bothered by it because I think we got Mignola's true ending in Hellboy in Hell, which is one of the most beautiful, satisfying endings I've ever read in a long, ongoing story like this. It really seemed to encompass everything important about the book to Mignola, Hellboy, as a part of his life and legacy, the questions about nature, nurture, destiny, and the freedom to choose who you are, over and done with. Instead of handing the book over to hired hands just to keep the product rolling out, he and the co-writer, Allie, worked out every prophecy and plot thread their audience had been given and worked out how to fit those answers into an omnibus-sized story yeah, he was that would really get us involved. to those last. Yeah. yeah, He said, Allie is not a natural storyteller the way Mignola or Arcudi are, but he knows this world and every resolution makes sense. I think it's a work of professionalism that respects the audience, but one missing the inspiration or poetry that runs through most of these books. Professionalism. Well, right. maybe not. I think if you've benefited from 25 years of someone's stories, you have to accept the inspiration is not a utility you can turn on and off like a tap or schedule to fit your preferred reading timetable. Ultimately, if the ending makes sense, you can only be grateful. All right, I will always be a little annoyed we never got to see Hellboy, Liz, and Abe being reunited on panel. Okay, I'm done. I thought we did see Hellboy, Liz, and Abe together when they were all at the table eating. Yeah, was that not a thing? Anyway. That happened? He said it's an incredible body of work, and I'm glad I got to experience again with you guys. I do have one question for the book club that's been driving me crazy. Who caused all the tunnels to open around the world and lead humanity underground? It's the event that saves humanity, but the cause is a mystery. Ed Gray passes on the coordinates, but doesn't seem to have the power to affect reality like that. 
Is it that nameless force that appears as the big eyes to people in the sledgehammer armor? Pluto, the hand of God, i.e. Mignola? I would love to know if anyone out there has any theories. Thanks and Happy New Year, Brendan. And then he also said, John, if you read, feel free to remove the parts naming Allie. I can see you don't like saying the name, but for me, at a certain point, treating his name like he has power of Voldemort is granting the man too much respect. Uh. Cheers. Uh, yeah, that was me. I opened all the portals. Uh, you're welcome. No, uh, <laughs> Aubrey did it. No, I actually, I actually hadn't thought about that, but now that you bring that up, it's a good. Uh, that, that's a good question because I'm like, wait, who did open them? And I like the idea of like that cosmic force. Um, the, I, you know, I, that seems like a pretty good uh, explanation. Yeah, I was also thinking like I Frankenstein did it. Yeah, something having to do with that, you know. But I want to say like. Okay, when Liz was underground in King of Fear and the whole do it thing happened and she let the fire go, didn't that open up all the tunnels? Because then all the whole sure. earth was on fire and all the Audrahem yeah. came up out of the... I thought that that is that. what opened it. And she kind of did it already that time. Sure. And all... Because all the fire went through the underground, remember? That's how the Black Flame got killed that time yeah. and stuff like that. There's also a little shaman girl who has some... Uh, unspecified powers that we haven't oh yeah yeah really <laughs> you know what but i mean didn't I she just, but, did, but didn't a little shaman girl just like lead them to the tunnel i don't know maybe she has maybe we this happened off camera i don't know well yeah no, <laughs> no i guess uh, well what i'm thinking <laughs> what i'm thinking that i like about your theory danielle is it's less a theory and she, me just like like throwing out wild speculation well, she about found she found frankenstein right you know what I mean? So Frankenstein was there. It almost seemed like they were together, right? Yeah, they were hanging pa- out. They were the pals. last panel. So I wonder if she could somehow like communicate with that underworld somehow, and like sure. this is going to be time. Yeah, this is this is it's almost going to happen. So let's get ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know. Good question. She was telling everybody about telling everybody like, oh, there's going to be. The things you gotta yeah. get in there. I don't know. She was the other she was the other side to Vivara. You know, Vivara was yeah. leading all the people that were gonna fee- become power for all the demons, and right. then the little girl was leading all the people that were gonna be saved. Good question. Let's get some listener feedback on that. We had a, a couple uh little feedback on our outtakes episode, which also came out over the holidays. Drew Campbell said Drew Campbell. Book club member. Yeah. Pumpkin Butts, the next album from Only Beast. Okay. Pumpkin Butts. <laughs> Remember right. when I said Pumpkin Butts uh-huh. instead of Pumpkin Buttes? Mm. That was on the outtakes. And Jim Glenn said... Jim Glenn. Book club member. Mm-hmm. Listening to it now, and it makes me want to tell you guys, thank you so much. I found you back in the beginning of the summer, and I've binged every episode and pulled all my books off the shelf to follow along. Happy, happy. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, yeah. Jim. Oh, thank you. New book club member. Uh, hope to hear from you again soon. Book club member. Regarding our debriefing episode from last week, with all of our awesome listeners, Drew Campbell said... Drew Campbell. Oh, we already said Drew Campbell. He said, uh, do they have podcast awards? Because uh, it definitely deserves one. They do, and we don't want one. <laughs> or care about them. Yeah, but he was really... He said he was honored to be on. Aww. He says it was an example of how awesome the community is. That is true. And he also said, you yeah. know, he didn't get to mention all his favorite artists like James Heron, Moon, and Ba, 
the Fumaras, Tyler Crook, Lawrence Campbell, Matt Smith, and Zach Howard. It's hard to, when you're on the spot. It's hard yeah. to say, but then afterwards you're like, oh, I was gonna say about talking yeah. about this guy and that guy, but yeah, no, I totally understand. And he was like, and whoever said Dave Stewart is absolutely correct. That is, yeah, you know, and oh, that was yeah. that was Wes Matthijs who said Matthijs. that. By the way, that was a great answer. And you know, like. I have to be honest with everyone, like, not everyone got the same questions. Like, all the interviews were not the same. Some people talked a little bit more about Devil You Know, and that's really what I wanted. But then if there was still more time, I asked some more questions. Or, like, in Ryan Yule's case, I wanted to talk to him more about his art and well, stuff uh, yeah, like that. Well, yeah, we wanted so to kind of tailor we only had so each much time. book club member yeah. and kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, so we, we, switch it up a little we bit. We didn't want it to be all just, like, cookie cutter and stuff like sure, that. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so not all the questions were the same, so that's why, you know, you have you may have heard some people with different kind of answers than what you have. But if you want to answer one of the questions we didn't ask you, feel free to send us a hey damn guys. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. One of the questions that Ryan Yule had was how did the Osiris Club get the right hand of doom on that right. last on that last issue? And Jerry Turnbull said Jerry Turnbull. Book club member. Yeah. He said I he always thought it was Ed Gray. So when there's um there is like a there's a splash page I forget which story it's from but there's like a hooded figure and it's holding up the right hand of doom you remember that and all the city's all like destroyed right and so that might be gray Mm. yeah in the hood right I mean that actually makes perfect sense too they had to have it to destroy the Ogre Jihad no I'm cool with that yeah so that was like a step that had to happen and then Hellboy went back in there and fucked shit up. Christopher Egan said... Christopher Egan. Book club member. He said it was great hearing everybody's voices. Glad to be a part of this book club and friendship. Aw, yeah. And Joshua Worley said... Josh Worley. Book club member. Book club member. He said, welcome back. You've been missed. And see, and I didn't get Joshua on there. There's a lot of people that I was like, dang it. I know, yeah. Should have got more people on there. So it's, maybe we could do something like that again. Yeah, well, it was four hours long. Yeah, so, so we didn't really get everybody. <laughs> I wish we could have had everybody on there, but, you know. Well, we'll do something like this again. Yeah, we'll do more of this. Ryan, John, John loves to edit things for a week straight. It's yeah. his favorite thing to do. <laughs> it's his fave. Ryan Yule said... Ryan Yule. Book club member. He said, I just finished listening to the episode and realized that the day the book club ends, it will be sadder than the BPRD series and the Hellboy <laughs> story coming to a close. Let's hope that day never comes. Mm. Aww. Mm. You know, uh, I do want to talk about this a little bit because obviously this year we're probably going to get to a point where we're going to catch up with the comics. Right. You know, yeah. and I think that... You know, when a new trade comes out or when something comes out, we can always come back and do another episode, but it might kind of slow down a little bit, you know, but just because it slows down doesn't mean the book club's going to stop because I do have some other ideas for, you know, some other kind of book clubs. You know, there are other comics that I want to talk about. There are some other kind of shows that I want to do. I'm not saying that uh, the book club's going to end or anything like that. I think that it'll always be here whenever there's a new story. Yeah. But I think that at some point this year, probably, right. we're going to hit a point where it the, it's going to slow down a well, little bit. Well, this is the Hellboy book club. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so what we could do is just have, like, a book club. Another book and club. And do, yeah. you know. More like, kind a, of... like a sister book club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like a companion show. Yeah, we can yeah. do whatever, this, that, and the other. So that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, so I did want to address that. But hey, you know, if we, there, we have true friendship here. So can true it ever friendship. end? If you, if you want to have a, another book club where we read different books, 
That'll yeah. be there. You know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people <laughs> want us to do the Baltimore stuff and all that. I really don't want to commit to that. You know, when we were talking to Hayden Orr, he was like, I'm glad you're doing this so that way I don't have to do it. You know, like the Baltimore, <laughs> the Baltimore podcast would be one that I would like to be, I would like to be the Matt Strackbine to that show and just come on, you know, every once Wait, in a while. Wait, look at me, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> don't look at me. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? But like. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to commit to doing all of that stuff, but I do want to keep doing the book club. I do want to read other kinds of stuff. So anyway, it's just something to think about as we get into this new year. We also heard from Hayden Orr. Hey, it's Hayden Orr. Book club member. Book club he says, this is one of the coolest things I ever got to do. And finally getting to listen to it and hear all the other book club members' voices was super fucking dope. I've been needing something good to drop for a couple of weeks, and this was definitely it. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And thank you all the book club members for joining, too. He also said it was the deluxe omnibus edition of the podcast. Oh, okay. And right. Jerry, oh, nice. Jerry Turnbull said the outtakes will be the sketchbook section or whatever. I got a ton of outtakes. Oh, that's pretty good. I got oh, a nice. ton of outtakes of you guys. And I also got a bunch of clips that we'll be using on future episodes. Nathaniel Green said... Hey, Nathaniel Green. Book club member. That's right. He said, this is such a privilege to be part of. Aww. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. This is the best fandom ever. That's so sweet. Aww. Clayton Schofield said... Clayton Schofield. Book club member. Yeah. He said, this is incredible and I can't believe I almost didn't want to be a part of it. <laughs> I'm hearing impaired and have been slowly losing more of my hearing. It has been frustrating and my confidence in having faceless conversations has really taken a hit. That would be really frustrating. Yeah. yeah. He said, but this is the damn book club and everyone's so great and it all feels so damn inclusive friendship friendship yeah, yeah and glad I, that we were able to and i thought we had a great out. interview That's with great. him you know and we, oh, were, yeah. we were able to hear each other just fine Absolutely. so i thought that that was really cool thank you so much clayton yeah for sure mark tweedell said mark tweedell uh, book club member archivist yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right <laughs> he said holy crap so many book club members on this one it's so amazing to hear all your voices that was fun yeah that thank you mark yeah. and thank you mark for the monumental job that he did because he had a great interview i think 30 minutes of the episode was just mark right. well, yeah, uh, I mean, dropping mark some serious knowledge yeah. so yeah i really enjoyed that and i was glad that we were able to go on a deep dive with For him sure. yeah yeah so uh, i might have missed some listener feedback some comments here and there because it's been a while i'm gonna go through with a fine tooth comb for next episode but thank you guys so much keep sending in yeah, all gonna, those listener feedbacks we're gonna we're gonna gather all those up oh let's uh, say uh, things we forgot to talk about this is things we forgot to talk about danielle's things she forgot to talk it's about. it's also casting corner it's casting corner mixed up with things i forgot to talk about so uh i i love this guy randall park i love yeah. him in anything he's in he's in a lot of different yeah. things he's in a lot of different things and every time he shows up i'm like yes it's this guy i love this guy he's great he's hilarious he's awesome he would be awesome as that dude who thinks a whole heck of a lot of himself in that crimson lotus storyline the where, crimson lotus oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah the main guy he yeah. was the guy who was like i'm awesome yeah you know it <laughs> oh my god he would be hilarious he would be really good and he's in pretty good shape because he's in the marvel yeah movie, so he's got to be in he's got the good marvel shape. regiment going yeah on, exactly so. I think he could do it. I think it would be what a great casting. Funny. I love yeah. that. Yeah, he would be hilarious as that character. He would add a whole other element. He's to a great it. performer yeah, too. Yeah. I think that he could do all the serious stuff too if he needed to do that. Oh stuff. yeah, and no. Yeah. He could do all the running and all the whatever stunt stuff he's got to do. But man, he would make that role so funny. Let's get the Crimson Lotus it's movie so going engaging. on. Yeah, yeah. He could do his oh, yeah. little mm, smarmy thing that he does. Ah, oh, he's great. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he was in. Uh, he was in Veep. He was in a lot of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, everything he's in, every time I see him, I get really psyched about it. 
God yeah. damn it. Now I'm Had trying to, to I want to find out his name. Oh, no. Die. Anyway, they know who I'm talking about. They know who you're okay. They, they know, know who I'm you're talking, talking about. about. Yeah. It's the guy, he's a secret agent man, and he's better than everybody at this job, especially if you're a lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And so he would awesome. Be good awesome. So Great anyway, job that's there. my that's that's my uh contribution for this. I love it. This uh, segment. Awesome. All right, and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. Hellboy and the BPRD Saturn Returns is a three-issue story published from August to October 2019. Co-written by Mignola, art by Christopher Mitten. We've seen Christopher Mitten on the Rasputin and Rise of the Black Flame miniseries, as well as that cool cameo in Devil You Know. You know, he had those pages of Vivara's origin. Oh, yeah. We also get colors by Brendan Wagner. Okay. This is the debut of Wagner 2 coloring this series. I think he does an awesome job. Letters by Clem Robbins and edited by Katie O'Brien. And let's talk about this cover here by Christopher Uh, Mitten. I love it. Well, you know I love a barn owl. Yeah, yeah. I love a barn owl. It's beautiful. And the uh, the line art is gorgeous, and of course, you know, we just talked about uh, he does a good job with the colors. Yeah, Christopher Mitten and Wagner are a great team on yeah. this book. Obviously, yeah, you know, the- got Hellboy here in profile. They got the big old hand there, and then the um, barn owl. But it's really good um, composition there because you get you know Hellboy is here in the sh- in the shadow of all these skulls, and then the barn owl is just outside. So the framing is really nice, and yeah, oh, and there's I, a tower uh... of skulls. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I um I just like stared at this cover for a while before I actually started reading the story. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I do um I, I guess it helps the story flow a little better, but they don't have the two other covers in the middle. We'll talk about it when we get to the end there in the sketchbook section, but the two other covers are outstanding too. I wish they kinda would have put them between the issues. We open up in we open up in Tadascock Falls, New Hampshire. 1975. So I couldn't find this place. This is some place that's made up for the story. And we meet Hellboy and this Agent Kinsey. So I don't know if we've met Agent Kinsey before. And then this local police guy, he's got a beard. I don't think they ever say his name. Give me a name for police beard guy. What does he look like here? Oh, this dude right here? Uh, Gregor. Gregor. Okay. So Gregor, the, the, the bearded police officer. Really outstanding art and colors on this first page. I really like the look of this book when I opened it up. And I love Hellboy in this three-wheeled motorcycle. I want to see more of that where they're on this uh they're on these little motorbikes or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Three wheels. Where have I that reminds me of something. It, song lyrics about three wheeling, uh, just this Nelly song comes flooding back to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. This is ridiculous. But it's the song, uh, the chorus. It goes, um, if you want to go and take a ride with me, three-wheeling and something, 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 something. They go three-wheeling. That's the only time I've ever heard of anyone talk about a three-wheeled vehicle. Oh, okay. But we we used to live in Third Ward. We would see a lot of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Three-wheel cars or whatever they had. Who has a three-wheeled thing that they're just going, riding around like the mountains? That's so interesting. Yeah, I like it. Usually that's like a street car, I want more of that. He's three-wheeling over here. They come across this strange structure, and it looks like there's a bunch of onlookers. A woman in a pink scarf approaches and Hellboy asks if she's looking for her son or husband, but she says she's looking for her father. But she's redirected away by Gregor, the beardy police guy here. And then we get this amazing double spread of this structure, and it's so detailed. This is beautiful. And uh, lovingly colored yeah. by Wagner. 
beautiful yeah. pages here. There's a lot of details, right? There's a lot to take in. There's a lot of dead bodies. You can see all the police are looking at them, uh, investigating. There's like some sort of metal in this structure. There's like steps. It's really weird, right? Yeah, you got all these yeah. little sigils here. Yeah, there's some sigils there um, that the agents are looking at. We're also introduced to Special Agent Oates. And I kind of, uh, at first, I really hated this guy. But then as we kept reading it, I kind of, I started liking him. Um, He's kind of a funny character. They try to introduce him. And he's like, Hellboy knows me. How are you doing? Uh. They introduce him to Agent Kinsey. Hellboy asks about this basement in the woods. And Kinsey mentions that he just got off a flight and didn't have time to read up. Tehran, Hellboy says, and Agent Oates is like, oh. Yeah, so I looked up 1975 Iran. I couldn't really find oh. anything notable. Okay. You know, so I think the point of this comment is just supposed to be like, Hellboy has been on a long flight and he's really tired. Right, right. You know, okay, so who who do you want to play this nerd that we don't like at first, but later we end up liking? Oh, I don't know. That's a great question. You're do you have somebody? You're going to need a really geeky, nerdy dude. Like, you're going to want a, a Timothy Simmons he played uh, Jonas on Veep. Oh, okay, okay. Right? You're I like want... that guy, yeah. He's, I a, he's, like a, that lot guy. Of, he's a lot of different guys. Are, are you going to want a, uh, a Thomas Middleditch? Oh, okay. Are yeah, you going to want like, like a Jesse Eisenberg or a, like hmm. a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a nerdy, annoying guy that you don't <laughs> really like, but then like he's endearing because okay. he's, he's funny. Yeah. Then, and now you're like, oh, actually, this actor is good at what he does because he's he's funny and endearing. Because yeah. Because at first I thought he was a geeky nerd, but now yeah, let us I, know I like how him you, a lot, yeah. Let us know who you would cast as Oates. Who would you put as this guy? One of the cops says... Or you know who did this really well in the X-Files was Kumail Nanjiani. He did a great job. Oh, okay, he's, yeah. He does he a good w- job of playing like right. a nerdy, yeah. like a kind of a... Ah, this guy's kind of annoying, but you like him. Yeah. One of the cops says the structure is part of an old textile mill trying to turn the place into another Lowell. This is a reference to the Lowell Mills, a 19th century textile mills that operate in the city of Lowell, Massachusetts, which was named after Francis Cabot Lowell. He introduced a new manufacturing system called the Lowell System, which was significant because it was the kind of the beginning of the Industrial Revolution and all that. It seems like the bodies here are not as old as the mill, but they span various years. The other officer, this guy, he's the chief, the one with the mustache and the black hair. He tells Hellboy and Kinsey that they were requested not for the dead bodies, but for the sigils that are left. Kinsey says, you figure occult activity? No one's committing to any theories, Oat responds. And then Kinsey whispers to Hellboy, skeptic? And he's like, actually, no. I thought that was a nice little interaction there. Kinsey reports to the officers that the sigils are gibberish. Some That's kids draw like, pentagrams. Yeah, yeah, there's their astrological signs and None a star of, of David. Match up, yeah. I actually like that she, you know, she said this is all gibberish because. I don't know, like, a lot of times people will see stuff like that and they'll jump to the wrong conclusions, and, you know, that's how you lead to the satanic panic of the night. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. And it's really just kids just being, I mean... They see a thing and they're like, ah, I'm going to write this. I would would, have been a good, like, visual gag is if they wrote the S thing. Oh, Somewhere, you know what I mean? (laughs) In 75, they were still doing the S thing? I would have loved to included that just because, like... You know, if you're putting in a bunch of like, oh, random spooky sigils and then just this one thing that all the kids used to draw on their binders for no reason. <laughs> anyway. Hellboy says some of it looks Lemurian. And they share a little look here. Yeah, he's like, I know things, Kinsey. Ah, that's cute. The team is puzzled. They don't understand how all these bodies and the sigils went unnoticed for decades. 
Kinsey thinks they could have been brought from somewhere else. Oates wonders if it might be generational killers or one inhuman killer. They notice that many of the body's rib cages have been opened, but only on the newer ones, and the hearts are missing. They plan to set up in town hall and take all the bodies there. The chief says the M.E. is on the way. That's the medical examiner. That's what M.E. stands for. Oates notices that the chief has a bunch of keys on his key ring. And all of a sudden, this old man wanders onto the scene, asking if they found Billy. And they're like, that he's obviously not supposed to be there. And they're like, oh, someone's getting fired now. And so he finds the kid. That's awful. He's like, oh, what did they do to him? And they tell him, well, this is a very fragile scene. You know, we have to get him out of here. The only way we're going to make sense of what happened to Billy is if we take our time and look at everything, Gregor says to the old man as he pulled him away. And then the chief is like, even then, like, you know what I mean? They might not ever figure it out. We cut over to the Falling Water Building, BPRD headquarters in Fairfield, Connecticut, and we see a young Liz. 1975, I think she would be 13 years old here. And she's not having a good time. Well, she's 13 years old, so... (laughs) No 13-year-old's having a good time. (laughs) She's arguing with Natalie. I guess this is one of the caretakers. At least she's not wearing a hazmat suit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about Casting Corner. Uh, I don't know what it is about this this artist's um, art that, like, the way he draws people immediately makes me want to cast them. Okay. I don't know what that is. Yeah. The whole entire comic. He's got so much... um, character and the faces and yeah really like it's not like every face is the same they're all different uh i would put um she always plays a lady who's talking like this and everything she does she was in the office and she had those big old dogs oh <laughs> fucking kathy, kathy bates, bates. <laughs> i would love kathy bates to play this lady okay yeah she's I would great her, i would love her to play this lady liz says she feels like she's locked up like a prisoner and she just wanted to see hellboy but he left from one mission straight to the other. Liz says no one can make him do something he doesn't want to do, so that must mean he didn't want to see her. Oh, Liz, not one word of that is true, Natalie responds. Yeah, that's the, you know, it's like, that's, come on. <laughs> you're a teenager, you're 13 years old, everything revolves around you, doesn't it? It can't be that yeah. he's like on an important mission. Over at the police station, it seems like they're starting to notify people, uh, families of the bodies that have been found. And we're going to see this through line throughout the story. So he's telling this one guy, and there's like a little flashback. And I like this because the flashback gives us information that the other characters don't have. We see this red-eyed monster in the bushes. So we know that is, you know what I mean? There's a lot of speculation through this comic of what is it that's doing this? But we kind of get a little bit of an idea already from the very first issue in the beginning. We see this uh, red-eyed thing. I also like the flashback because uh, that's the month I was born. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Aubrey's being born while this guy's getting killed. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't exist in the world together at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, dude. <laughs> this one guy, he's there to identify the remains of his brother. And he's like, he's telling Gregor here that he like knew something, you know, he's like, Oh, if you would have done something, then so-and-so would have been saved. You know, the little boy, Billy, Gregor goes over to Town Hall, and the M.E. has arrived. It's Dr. McIntyre. And so he's this guy. He's got glasses and a mustache. And they go in there, and we see all the bodies. They've got them all laid out. Uh, It's just like in a room. Yeah. They're using the Town Hall for it because Uh, there's so many. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know. Well, it's better than the school gymnasium. (laughs) Yes. 
Not to be crass, but like the smell. Like. Right. And so they talk about how the bodies date back to 1925. And then around 1945, whatever it was, started cracking open the chest and getting the hearts out. Whatever it was. Like, why aren't these quarantined? That this is seems, 1975. I Still, that seems like yeah. something you would not want to be around. They found him in this diameter of 60 miles. And they also talk about how, like, the doctors signed off a bunch of those deaths as animal attacks. Mm. You know what I mean? He was like, look, I, you know, I only had so much to go on. You know, some of them did look like animal attacks. You know, some of the ones that we found. Right on. So, Kinsey says, Kinsey asked him to start cross-referencing open cases. And the chief wonders if they weren't animal attacks. How about witchcraft, Oates suggests. And then he starts speculating on this theory. Oh, who's the girl, Kinsey? Yeah. I was thinking of... uh... For Kinsey, uh, who could we cast as Kinsey? Sally Hawkins. Oh, we just saw her in the... She's got that look. Yeah, we just saw yeah. her in... Um, she, in she was the one in uh, Shape of Shape, Shape of Water. Of Water and I love Fishman. We saw her in Godzilla, Gods and Monsters. She was in she's Godzilla. In oh, and she's in the first Godzilla, too. Yeah. She was in Godzilla's. You, that's not the name of the movie. It's King of the Monsters. Oh, what did I say? Gods and Monsters? Yeah. That's a different movie. Is it? Yeah. Is that so. a movie? It is, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Worth watching? If you like a Godzilla movie, because there are plenty of Godzilla movies where if you like a Godzilla movie, you should not watch that movie. So if you like a Godzilla movie, you should yeah. watch this one. It's all right. Yeah. We've been watching them. We also watched Kong Skull Island because that new one's coming out. I'm not out. really a Kong. Like, who cares? It's a giant monkey. But that movie was good. It was fun. It's all right. I thought it was there were good. great actors. Yes, there are in great that actors. Movie. There are some great actors. Anyway, that's pull. This I don't back care on about a Kong movie though. I don't care about Kong. I like a Godzilla movie though. Yeah. I don't know what the difference is. So Oates is like, um, "Hey, didn't you have a big witchcraft case a few years ago?" And Hellboy's like, "I don't know. It was nothing like this." And so we see Hellboy and Kinsey. They're watching these witches around a wicker man. This is a large wicker statue reportedly used by ancient druids. For sacrifice by burning it in effigy. Yep. In modern times, the Wicker Man has been symbolically referenced as part of some neo-pagan themed ceremonies yep. without the human sacrifice, such as at Burning Man. Yep. I like this part where Oates is like, so a satanic serial killer? And the chief is like, serial killer? Because <laughs> he doesn't understand. He's thinking like breakfast cereal. Well, Kinsey's like, a mass killer spread over time. But that's the thing. is like, was serial... <laughs> killing right like the the idea of that like that phrase had that even been invented Pro- or yeah. not, uh, definitely not as prevalent because investigators uh, hadn't started using that phrase uh, until uh, no, the I, 70s I, right i think that this is right around the time that it was starting uh with the whole uh fbi behavioral analysis thing yeah interesting. Uh, that is interesting i i think that that started around in the late 60s early 70s okay. so uh so maybe, but, maybe wasn't as widespread of an idea yet yeah, and and, he, and these look like small town cops, and yeah. like you know the FBI had to go and do presentations and all that. And right, so, isn't there a thing like it's called a mind hunter? They they kind of yeah. like look at that a little bit. Oh wow! Well, okay, so I've actually read the book, which is actually a true. It's a not a nonfiction book, and it's really good. I and then read that. I've I've seen the the Netflix show that it's based off. Oh, it's cool. also really good. I've Too only heard of it. I've, I've only heard of it, so that's that's so interesting. Did you like yeah. it? Was it was it good stuff or what? Oh, it's really good. Okay, right yeah. on. Right on. Yeah. Thanks, Aubrey. Good yeah, job there. Right on. <laughs> and so Oates is like, how about demonic activity? Sure. Uh, how about an actual demon doing this? And they look at Hellboy. He's like, what are you looking at? Hellboy says to the ME. 
an actual demon would have done better with the iconography, Kinsey says, because all those sigils were all wrong and everything. But then Gregor comes over and he's like, look, let's just have a conventional investigation here. Let's canvas the woods and notify the family members. And Hellboy's like, I just need a nap, guys. And that really seems to piss off this guy, Gregor. He kind of looks at him. And then he just walks off and Hellboy's like, what? But it's like they found all these dead. I think he's thinking of all the dead people and all the families they have to notify. And Hellboy's just like, I'm tired. Well, I mean, it's... <laughs> it's. But I think also, if you look at the progression, they mentioned the demonic activity. They all looked at him. He snapped. And then in this next panel, he looks like kind of sad and regretful. And then I think he's just like, all right, I'm... Well, there's only so much of that you can yeah, take if you're him. I mean, that's you know. got to be a unique position in the world. Everyone's talking about like... It just like Aubrey said, satanic panic. And then there's a yeah, demon there. absolutely. And obviously, you're going to be like, oh, this is very uncomfortable. Yeah. Back at the BPRD, Broom tries the old yeah. get an upset child out of the locked bathroom scene. Aw. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm really grateful that you're here because of, you know... We can study your, you know, pyrokinetic. And she's like, oh, so I'm your job. Like, she's, it's very, no, 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 no. It's, it's, you know, it's their job to know about your power. Oh, yeah, well, they know I killed my family. No one's talking about that, Liz. Come on. And he goes, yeah, well, they, they had to know that also. Oh, yeah, they had to know how dangerous I am. Like, come on. Chill. Relax. So that we can help you, Liz. Like, that's, oh, you think I'm a monster. I'm a monster. <laughs> Just you uh, know, you're tip- it's and it's hard being thirteen. Yeah, it's so yeah. hard to be thirteen, and she's really having a hard go of it right now. And so you know, you've been thirteen. I'm sure we can all think back to yeah. being that age and and remembering how hard that is. So I really feel for her in this scene because she's having a hard time. But instead of backing up, all she can do is go deeper, and it's just like, yeah. oh, my heart breaks for her. I feel bad for her because it's like you can't. You can't back up after you've right. got too much momentum. You're too upset, and so she's like, "No way, I'm out of here, man." And uh, man, we, you know, we've seen a little bit of this with Hellboy, but we haven't seen so much of the parenting, quote unquote, mm-hmm. with Liz mm-hmm. and Broom. You know, he like she doesn't want to talk, so he just gives her her space. He walks off. He's not like, "I'm gonna come in there right." No, you know right, what right, I mean? Right. Like, He's not like, "You come <laughs> out of here right now, God damn it!" He's just like, "Right, okay." But this is also, not working. There's, there's also, there also wasn't a okay. You know, I understand you need some space. Yeah, I'll be right yeah. here when you need to talk. He just kind of pales. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's where it's like, well, okay, then if you don't want to talk to me, I guess I'll just, leave. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Back in New Hampshire, Hellboy, Kinsey, and Oates leave the town hall. Kinsey and Oates both smoke. And they offer Hellboy one, but he declines. But we know That's he likes to smoke. Yeah. yeah, I guess he's just tired and the caffeine or, I don't know, doesn't smoking like oh, kind of nicotine, hype you up? Yeah. The nicotine bumps you up a little bit? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it does. It does. Like it, It's a stimulant, so yeah. it will keep you awake. But maybe he, this is a period when he hadn't picked it back up yet. Okay. Yeah, maybe he yeah. Wasn't, uh, wasn't smoking here. And I, I, I know that we um, haven't got there yet, but I'm too excited. I have to point out all around the little owls are all around. I never, I didn't notice that. They're so cute. I love oh my God. Owls There's these everywhere. little owls hidden into the leaves oh, here. So cute. Beautiful work it's by really Mitten and Wagner. Yeah, I really I love, love that. that. Thank you for pointing that out. It's fantastic. They mentioned that there are two local survivors to interview. One of them interviewed Hellboy at the scene. What? Hellboy asks. But Oates is too excited to go talk to them, and he leaves. Kinsey tells Hellboy that Oates is sold on his demon theory. Told you he wasn't a skeptic. 
but he's wrong. Demon Hellboy ass? The MO evolves. The killer or killers only started cracking open rib cages later. But over such a length of time, Kinsey finishes, the inhuman angle makes sense. And I hope it's only one of them, Hellboy says. But I love this little, because they're walking down the road, and then there's like a truck that drives by, so they move out of the way for it to pass, and Hellboy waves at it, and we see the driver for a second like, like yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they look as he's starstruck, because he's like, oh my god, that's Hellboy. Oh yeah, right, he's Whoa. on Life Magazine and all that. Mm-hmm. Hellboy says, Dr. Farrier, while he was in the field, he was looking for something to fit an idea he had. That some of what we call monsters are just previously undiscovered species of animal. Like Bigfoot, Kinsey says. And so, I don't know Dr. Farrier. I don't think we've been introduced to Dr. Farrier before. So, maybe we'll see him in some of the 1950s stories. Hellboy says it could be a vampire. Those are two pretty different ideas, Kinsey says. You'd be surprised, Hellboy responds. I'm not talking about a tuxedo-wearing nobleman in an old mansion. No man did what we saw. But a werewolf? So he's just like thinking of all these different, what it could be. Kinsey's like, we'll look at Cycles of the Moon, but it's too early to favor one idea. And he's like, it's too late in Tehran for detective work. Let's talk in the morning. So I guess he's still jet-lagged, right? Is that what that line is? Probably. I mean, He's he's still on the Tehran time because he just flew in. Yeah, so he's probably just tired, and he's just, like, spitballing, and he's shit just popping out of his head. <laughs> right, yeah. We catch up with the sheriff. He's visiting a woman, Ruth, to tell her they found her brother among the dead. And again, we have a flashback, and in the flashback, you see the creature behind him. She just assumed that he'd ran off to Boston, and she didn't think anything like that would have happened to him. Right. Back at the BPRD, Natalie asked Ruth if he spoke with Liz. He thinks she's asking about... Him trying to talk to her outside the bathroom, but Natalie wants to know if Liz ever came to dinner, and they realize that she's gone. So we cut over to New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven is a coastal city in Connecticut. It's the largest city in Connecticut after Bridgeport. And we see Liz walking around in a hoodie. If she didn't know that she was in the wrong neighborhood already, a guy comes up and tells her. You are in the wrong neighborhood, he literally (laughs) said. (laughs) Liz, what are you doing? Good job with the coloring on her eyes here. Oh, yeah, no. Wagner is killing it on this. There's something so vivid about this. I don't know. Like, I... I, I didn't realize that it was a different colorist, and then when I started doing the notes, I was like, oh, that's it makes sense. Yeah. Because there right. is kind of a different look in a way He's got to his own book. style, definitely has yeah. his own style, yeah. for sure. Back in New Hampshire, we have another flashback here. So I want to talk about this. This woman is with this guy, and he's hunting. I guess this is her dad, right? He yeah. He goes over to the deer, and as he goes over, there's all this green smoke starts to, like, come out around him. It says August 1924. Then we see Oates, and he's interviewing the lady. This is the lady from the with the pink scarf that Hellboy saw earlier. She was wondering if they found her father. The flashback was showing her and how the father disappeared. Oates asks if she saw any tracks. She says she's not Artemis, who's the Greek goddess of the hunt. But she didn't think that there would be any tracks because the aliens took her father. Oh, okay. I love Oates' expression. The, yes. Oh, I, this is where I was like, so I'm starting to love this guy. Because yeah. <laughs> the way that he looks at her when she says the uh, aliens. good stuff. He was all like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Over in New Haven, Liz has made some new friends. The guy in the scarf from earlier, that's, his, that's Stevie and his girlfriend Sue. They ask if she's a runaway, and she just kind of looks at them. I like that panel, too. And she's like, yeah. 
Sure you don't want to call home, Stevie asks. They lead her to their place, and they say she can sleep on the couch. But as they approach, they see this guy standing outside the door, and they get all scared, right? Uh. We quickly get the idea that somebody's after them. And then this guy jumps out. He's like, boss, these are the guys... And they hold Stevie. Steve tells Sue to run. It turns out Steve owes drug money or something to this bald guy, Gary. And that guy has a gun. It could be gambling debts, too. Yeah, it could be something like that. Anyway, this goon, he pulls Sue's hair. And then Steve defends her. And he gets a gun pulled on him. And all of a sudden, all the garbage like behind this guy, Gary, erupts in flames. And he accidentally shoots the gun when that happens. So it's this whole mess right here. He fires the gun, and then we see that Stevie got shot. Obviously, the flames are Liz, kind of burning shit up. So then this one goon, he's like, I got this. And he gets the gun, and I guess this guy, Gary, he runs off. And he's trying to tell Liz, like, hey, kid, watch out with the fire. But she just fucking stands there. That must be so fucking badass. Like, that would be really cool to see. (laughs) But she makes the gun explode in his hand. Yeah. Like, is she? does she make the bullet go off or something? That is so cool. Yeah, I'm assuming because, I mean, the gun just shatters. I mean, that's got to be some kind of force to, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it looks like he gets shrapnel in the face. Well, I think we talked about this, Aubrey, when we did Rise of the Black Flame. But when Mitten does blood, it's really interesting, an interesting way of doing it. I don't know. Yeah. Sue and Liz run off. Back with the sheriff, he tells another local, an old man, about finding his son's remains. And we get another flashback here. And so we see, like, the guy walking around and then the monster jump out. And when it jumps out, it says, like, this kind of, what's that language? Teshethuan? Is it the Teshethuan language? Like, the frog language, Aubrey? It reminded me of the frog language, so if it isn't, it's similar. And this old guy, he kind of has an interesting take on the whole thing. He's like... Oh, well, you found him after so long, you know, what was left to find? The chief is like, the remains. And he's like, well, that was a rhetorical question. You go about your business. Thanks for letting us know. I thought it's interesting how all the different townspeople take finding out about these dead family members that are just turning up after being gone for so long. Yeah. Over in the diner in New Haven... Liz has some cereal, and Sue has some coffee, and I thought this was a neat scene here, right? She's like, look, we're, we're, we're not bad guys, but we're not good guys either, and because we, we can't really go to the cops, and she's like, look, and I'm not a bad guy, you know, you should have never seen what happened, but I thought it was kind of weird because, like, this dude's, that dude Steve got killed. Like, I would think that she would be crying, or something like that dude just got shot and killed it seemed like right it looked like that but i mean maybe she's still in like shock from the whole thing right yeah so when she's like you shouldn't have ever seen that liz is like oh well you don't know what i've seen i ran away from a government lab and she's like why would you be in a lab the fire i did that i like how she doesn't even look at her while she says it she's just like kind of like looking out the window just a just really nice progression on this page. I like how it zooms out and everything. Back in New Hampshire, we get Hellboy Kinsey Oates and Gregor, the bearded police guy, walking through the woods. Spectacular work by Mitten and Wagner here. I just love this page. I love the colors yeah. and everything. Gosh. And they're joking about the aliens theory, right? Oates is like, the old kook lost her dad when she was a baby. 
She can be excused for being a bit delusional. And then Gregor's like, Miss Capraleone has had a hard life. You could be a bit kinder. And Oates is like, isn't that what I just said? <laughs> but he's called her like an old kook and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. This character. And he apologizes. He's like, it's just you get a little callous to the plight of the regular people facing ugly situations when, you know, that's your stock and trade. They're walking around in there and all of a sudden the monster jumps out and it attacks Gregor. It just kind of knocks him over. I love the colors and the look of this thing as it kind of pops out. It's saying all that frog language, and Hellboy goes after it. Pretty rough shape for a werewolf, he says. And they go at it. It kind of slashes him across the chest. Really cool work here. I love the look of the monster, like the face. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool design for the monster. Oh, it shoots at it, and he almost hits Hellboy. I love this. He's like, hard to aim through the trees. So hold your fire, Hellboy says. And the monster is just slashing him. I love this. I mean, it is so manic. There's all this stuff flying around as it's like climbing on Hellboy's back. And then as Hellboy throws it into the trees and there's all this debris, this page is incredible. Nice little action beat here. Hellboy goes after it, but they lost it. It disappeared in the shadows. And they go back on all their theories because he's like, you think that's a werewolf? Not really, but it doesn't look like a demon, Hellboy responds. What's a demon look like, pray tell? Kind of looked like a zombie, didn't it? Gregor says, and they both go... Not really. I love that. <laughs> I really love that beat. I thought it was pretty cool. Like, they're kind of like going back and forth, and then the guy's like, hey, what about this? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good writing. I really liked this scene, this little action beat where the monster comes out, these, four, these five pages while they're out in the woods. Outstanding. One of the best parts of this comic, I think. At the town hall, Kinsey and Dr. McIntyre talk about doing a day's worth of autopsies. The doc remarks on how Kinsey has a hard science background and hangs out with ghost hunters. But she explains that there's a lot of science in what they do. The news just cares about Hellboy, the doc finishes. It gives the press a colorful story. Kinsey talks about one of her first missions when she was a BPRD intern. The body that they end up finding of this man, you know, it kind of looks like the ones that we that they found in that um in that abandoned mill, right? It's got, like, the same wounds and stuff. Oh, yeah, it does kind of look like that. That's what I was thinking. I, th I was like, that's kind of interesting, because it's kind of like Kinsey is like, I've kind of seen something like this before, but I analyzed the data from every angle, and it got me nowhere. Dr. McIntyre says, There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. So this is a quote from Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 5. Horatio has a hard time accepting that Hamlet talked to his father's ghost. And so that's kind of the response to that. And so, you know, he's kind of saying fair, that to Kinsey, right? To be fair, I'd have a hard time with that too. I'd be like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, bro. <laughs> the doc points out that Kinsey closed out five of the six cold cases from their town. So who is the sixth body still missing? We get another scene with the cops saying someone... Their missing family member was found, this time a daughter missing her father. And this one was really sad. We get another flashback with the thing jumping out. I think that's kind of humorous, the way the thing jumps out at him. But um, this one was kind of sad, I thought, because she's like, everybody said that he ran off right after I was born, and it was because of me, and my mom never denied it. You made him run off. That's yeah, terrible. and she's like, and, you know, and then now I found out that I had nothing to do with it, and, you know, I just wish mother could hear that. That's super sad. Yeah, so I thought that one was like, wow. Yeah. These scenes with the different family members, 
Um, I think like um, they're really they're really good character beats, and um, it just adds a lot to the to the story. Over in New Haven, Look another Bebo's. another really guys. gorgeous page by Mitten and Wagner. Look at these super cute little pigeon guys. Sue is at a payphone, and she's talking to Natalie at the BPRD. We also see that drug dealer guy, Gary. So he's like, I think what's happening here is Liz sees him, and she goes over to tell Sue, hey, there's that guy, you know, that that was shooting at us or whatever. And then she yeah. overhears Sue talking to Natalie, telling them, like, where they're at and all that kind of stuff. She's got kind of a severe fringe there. Her Her bangs. She's got some severe bangs oh, yeah. going on. That's a 70s style, yo. Is it? I feel like Sue has a super 70s style. But, I mean, obviously there were several styles going on, so that's yeah. possible. And so Liz takes the phone from her, and she's like, Natalie, Professor wouldn't take the call himself, right? So she's immediately like, oh, so yeah. I'm missing, and you can't even get a hold of the professor. Yeah. She cut her bangs herself. She cut her own bangs. Oh, is that what you think happened? Yeah. 13 I'm, I'm, years uh, old. Isolated. I agree with Danielle. Yeah. 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 Aubrey knows. She's like, no, do not come after me. I'm gone, okay? You know what I can do. I've been out here doing it, and it'll get worse if you come after me. And then she hangs up the phone, Jeez. and then she just looks at Sue with the tears coming down. Like, that's really great. I love the character work here. He gets some really good uh, camera angles. Yeah. You know what I mean, like... Where she's holding yeah. the phone up here on the top right. Like, that's a good, some good cinematography happening here. Back in New Hampshire, Hellboy and the crew give Kinsey and Doc the details on the monster after they just saw it. Definitely intelligent, but not human. It could be human, Hellboy says. Could have been. And the Doc's like, we know who it might be. The earliest cold case, the only one that they haven't found yet. Hehe, <laughs> the oldest one, the Doc says. I, mean, like, I was like, what is that? Uh, that's good. Mark Caprileone. That was the father of that lady in the pink scarf, the one who said about aliens, right? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we can rule that out, Hellboy says. Thought that was pretty good. And we get this page with the monster. Wow, the colors on this are outstanding. Mm. It's like eating a squirrel or something, and we see that same green smoke, you know, the smoke that when her father was approaching it, Right before he disappeared. The smoke smelled so strange, like you'd imagine the forge of the great god Vulcan. Vulcan is the god of fire, including the fire of volcanoes, deserts, metalworking, and the forge in ancient Roman religion and myth. He is often depicted with a blacksmith's hammer. A note, in uh, Birmingham, there's a statue to Vulcan uh, in the middle of the town, and it has a light on it. And whenever somebody dies in a car accident, they change the light from green to red. Oh wow. oh, wow. Okay. So we see now Kinsey and Gregor there interviewing Miss Caprileone again. And she's talking about her father, that he loved all the gods and heroes and legends. Now they say gods were aliens here to teach men science. So really, the father's out there with those gods he loved reading about. And Kinsey wants to talk more about the smoke. And she's like, well, it was one of their ships. And he touched the smoke, and then he got this awful look on his face. He stumbled past it into the woods. No one saw him again. But it, we've seen the smoke do stuff to people, like, you know, the smoke of the Ogdruhem and stuff like that, and the smoke coming out of the ground yeah. and the vampires and the fungus. So we've seen this idea that smoke, like, transforms people. Kinsey's like, take us to that ship. And Miss Caprileone's like, this is why I never told anyone outside the family. You people think I'm crazy. The ship is gone. And Kinsey's like, no, no, no. And at the same time, we see the chief, he 
gestures for Hellboy to come over to the phone, and Hellboy starts talking, and he's like, New Haven? Okay, then. And he's like, it's Liz. I gotta go. I like that expression on his face there. So this was the end of issue two, I believe, right before we get into this final issue. And we open up this issue three oh, shit. in 110,000 BCE before common time, uh. North American continent. And we see this looks like the cold people, right? Yeah. It looks like Howard Sword, too. Yeah, we see like the leader of the cold people. We saw this guy in Abyss of Time. There's like a pillar with all these sigils on it. And he gestures toward these other guys, and there's like a graveyard, and it kind of looks like the graveyard that we see in this story, right? Mm, yeah. And it, and yes, we do see the sword there. So like, okay, so we know that Howard's dad had the sword, and then when he died, Howard's got it. So is this Howard's grave, or is this like one of his ancestors' grave? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, how far back was Howard's? Because this says 110 thousand bce yeah, so. yeah i don't know yeah i have so, to go back uh, and check if it says i don't even know if it says a year does it uh, i'm not sure but um uh, i bet mark knows <laughs> yeah let us know on the listener feedback so like but this is giving us some insight because we saw the green mist this guy turned into this purple thing so like He's one of the cold people left over. Yeah. I feel like. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what he is. Yeah. He's one of them. For sure. I guess whatever they do here, that's what he's doing with the bodies or whatever. Just like on autopilot. Back in New Hampshire, everybody's all bent out of shape that Hellboy's going to leave now to go to New Haven. And as they're talking back and forth, we cut over to Miss Caprileone in the kitchen, and she's got a painting that she straightens. It's Goya. Saturn devours his son. Yeah. Saturn Devourin, his son, is a name given to a painting by Spanish artist Francisco Goya. According to the traditional interpretation, it depicts Greek myth of Titan Cronus, who, fearing that he would be overthrown by one of his children, ate each one upon their birth. The work is one of the 14 black paintings that Goya painted directly onto the walls of his house sometime between 1819 and 1823. It was transferred to canvas after Goya's death and has been held since in the Museo del Prado in Madrid. We got to go there next. Yeah. We got to go to Madrid and check that out. I would love to see it. So someone has a a little print of this in their office here. Yeah, well, it's the kitchen, but it's like, what are the other ones? I wonder if the other ones are the other 14 black paintings, because you can see. Sorry, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. So, so they've got this horrific Goya painting here in the kitchen of Saturn devouring his son. Uh, it's it's so weird right yeah Yeah. interesting so yeah i we'll talk about this a little bit more as we go on but um and siren devouring her son of course has been referenced in the hellboy comics goya has been referenced and stuff like that so really interesting that they bring that into the story and that going and as she's straightening that they're all going back and forth you know what i mean like um Hellboy's like, oh, it's practically solved. He's like, yeah, you got this. All we know is that the body's still missing after 50 years. It's not solved, Hellboy. And he's like, Broom already sent a plane. So I thought this was an interesting part, right? The chief is like, is the airstrip open this late? Let's go. And then Gregor cuts him off. And he's like, chief, did you get a statement to the monitor? If you don't, they'll just write their own version. So I thought, like, it seems like the chief wants to stop Hellboy from leaving. Right? Yeah. But it's like, Gregor's like, Oh, hey, go do this thing for the paper. Mm. Like to distract him, I almost think, so that way he won't stop Hellboy from leaving. I took it as like um, he was reminding the chief that if they don't 
make a statement to the newspaper. They're going to just, they as cops want to control the story. Yeah, no, I I do get that part of it. But I also was thinking like, I don't know, I, I thought that there was a point where these two didn't like each other. Like, remember when Hellboy was like, I'm tired, and he just walked off. You right. know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know, I kind of got the idea that... Um, he doesn't mind if Hellboy leaves, right. I guess. Yeah. So, I don't know. They're all going to keep working while Hellboy leaves. Hellboy says, I need to grab my gear. Let's tuck these two in. And we see the monster there in the shadows. It's watching all the bodies because they took all the bodies in town hall. Yeah. So there it is watching. He has to go get them. So we see we see the chief and the monsters watching him. I like this uh, Changle. Changle. He's got too many keys. He's got too many keys. Why do you have too many keys, chief? Oh, no. The monster pops out and it gets him. Don't get him. I love how Mitten draws this monster. So I love this scene right here with Kinsey and Oates, right? So Kinsey's in her room. She's working. And Oates comes up. He knocks and he's got like a six pack. She's like, where'd you get that? I was a Boy Scout. Want one? And she's like, what? Oh, be prepared. He's like, good work today. What's your theory on the Caprileone character? She's like, I don't know. He's like, not even a hunch? We don't know enough, Oates, she says. I put what I can together hoping some sense will, you know, come. But we're not there yet. He's like, so you don't see any value in battling around over a few beers? And then she just slams the door ah. on him. But I, I kind of like, this is what I was kind of like, he just wants to get drunk and talk about what do you think the monster is? Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Is he hitting on her or does he just want to get drunk and talk about the monster? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Right. Yeah. I yeah, love- I kind of, it's, it, I get the impression that he's like, you know, shoot your shot. Yeah. He's yeah. going to try it. And you know what didn't work out? He's fine with it. He's he's, he's smiling as the yeah, door slams. He kind of expected it, and you know what? It's fine. He's not gonna keep badgering. I like that. He's like, you know what? I gonna hey, would you like? No, okay, all right. I like fine. this scene a lot. I thought it was really it's all good. Right. Yeah. It made me laugh. We see Hellboy getting ready to depart, and then we cut over to Liz really quick in New Haven for two panels, and she's like, have you ever been in somebody else's house? Have you ever had to stay at somebody else's house for some reason, or sleep at somebody else's house for some weird weird reason? And it's like, I totally get this. I don't know. There's something about the way that Mitten draws it and the way that Wagner colors it that really gives you that sense of like... They captured that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? (laughs) We see this goon out on the street. This is the guy that got fucked up by Liz when the gun exploded. You know, you can see that he's got, he lived, I guess, but he's got all the, from where the shrapnel hit him in the face and where it blew up in his hand. And he's asking around for them. Back in New Hampshire, we see Gregor, the bearded police guy. He's showing up to work and we get a little indication that things are going to go awry because we see the window where the to where the town hall where all the bodies were is smashed open he gets there he starts making the coffee and then he finds the dead chief and he's like no no that that really that one really hit me too i was like man i feel bad for this guy and another thing was like he's the one that told him to go back there and do the statement yeah he wanted the chief wanted to go stop hellboy at the airport but instead he told him to go do this and now he's dead this guy is, uh, this expression right here is very Sam Elliott. Oh, okay. I like a Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott for Gregor. We cut over to Hellboy. He's asking around New Haven for Liz. We also see that Gary, the bald gangster guy, is also looking for them. And then we see Liz and Sue are in this diner. 
I love this page. I love the different colors and the different scenes and stuff like that. Um, and in the diner, there's this waitress in the yellow apron. And I love this waitress. This is someone that I would like to cast as someone because she's got a great little beat in the over these next couple panels. I was thinking like a Jenny Slate. Oh, my God. I was just about to say. Or no, you know, who uh, was the girl who played Darcy? Oh, Darcy. Um, yeah. Cat Denning. Cat Denning. Good job there. I think, uh, I think yeah, Cat Denning. Yeah, she would be good. Would and be I good. think she does do a show where she was a waitress or something like that. Like Two Broke Girls or something Something like, like that. that, yeah. Oh, I never saw that. But yeah, I think uh, some, somebody like that would be good. Or like an Aubrey Plaza, yeah. maybe something like that. So we get the idea that they're asking her to go sleep in her place. And I guess she's there. The writing is really well done because you get the idea of what's happening with just a couple blurbs of what they're talking about. You pick up everything mid conversation. And I feel like you stay in it. You know what I mean? In the story. They're like, oh, we didn't get enough sleep last night. She's like, well, he don't like me having company up there over with Hellboy. He's asking this guy for Liz. And this guy's like, how did Steve get so many people asking about him? Who else was asking about him? So now Hellboys get the idea that somebody's looking for all of them. Back over in New Hampshire, Gregor's had enough of this, right? Now the chief is dead. He wants to kill this thing now. And Oates is like, I understand the man was your friend. He was my CO. And that ain't the point. So that's commanding officer. And the doctor's like, this is way out of my job description, but that thing didn't come here looking for your boss. It was looking for the bodies, right? Just like we figured out already. We moved the collection, and he came back because he wasn't done with it. So now they figure they can catch him. They take all the bodies, and they're going to make a trap. Set one up out there, Kinsey says. And again, on this bottom panel, we see the owl again. What does the owl mean in the story? Because we've seen it a couple times. Yeah. yeah. It's like following Hellboy. or Because in the cover, it has Hellboy with the owl. Yeah. Which why it stands out to me so much whenever we see it. Then we cut back to the diner with the waitress, and she's like, this is officially way more yeah. than I signed on for. You know, Hellboy's there now looking for them. Upstairs, Sue is with Liz, and it seems like Sue is trying to convince Liz to go home, you know. That woman sounded concerned about you. And Liz is like, well, I bet if I called the cops, they'd be real concerned about you and Steve. Jeez. She's like, Jesus Christ, Liz. And she's like, I'm sorry. Like, I love that word. She's immediately like, sorry. That was too far. That was. This is a bit much. She's like, I can't go back. They treat me like a freak. The only one who, I want to imagine she's going to say the only one who gets me is Hellboy. Yeah, or the only one who I feel comfortable yeah. around because he's as much of a yeah. whatever. He, he understands and everything. All of a sudden, there's a knock at the door, and it's the gangsters. It's the goon and Gary. They come in. Sue goes for the frying pan to hit Gary with, and there's like, it falls out of her hand. Liz reaches over for the frying pan. They got the wrong bitch on the right day. Yeah, this dude twice, he got fucked up by Liz. He, he didn't learn, like, no. I mean, jeez. No. <laughs> but she's immediately like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But I love this panel where, like, the fire you know, comes out and it knocks this guy backwards. And then Liz gets the frying pan and she hits Gary. And as she does, there's a little fire there too. Did you notice that? Oh, I just thought that was oh, kind of like yeah. a, uh, she's hitting him. And I thought that was for like, Oh, like the effect. impact. I thought it was like a little flame. I want to imagine that a little oh, flame sure. came out as okay. she hit him like that. Right on. And as he's knocked back, this is really funny. Cause Sue's like, don't turn your back on him. That's what they always do. But then Hellboy appears, and he comes up there, and then that waitress, she's up there, too. You have got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) 
The apartment's all fucked up. And, but Liz turns around. She turns her back on him to see Hellboy. And then he knocks the thing out of her hand. It was just like what Sue said was going to happen. Man, but you don't want to fuck with Hellboy, right? He just comes over, right? Get your goddamn hands. And then he grabs the guy. And then they both fall through the floor. So they have just wrecked this whole place in a matter of minutes. And the waitress is just standing there. Sue, I know you're going through a lot right now. And you're going to say this isn't your fault. But this... This is it! We see Hellboy <laughs> and Gary. They've fallen all the way down to the bottom. It was so funny. I really thought this was great. Oh, yeah. In a movie where some innocent bystander just gets all their shit fucked up by the action. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what happened uh, here. Man. and I just think it's hilarious. I gotta imagine that Gary probably, you know, after, you know, he attacks Liz and Hellboy's like, no, he, he probably shit his pants seeing Hellboy coming before that. <laughs> For real, gosh. We cut back over to New Hampshire, and this is another great page by Benton and Wagner as they set up their trap. I love the way he draws the leaves. You know, there are so many scenes with leaves in this. Really nice. Yeah. They talk about how they had to deputize the grave digger because he was one of the only ones that would help. There's some little mushrooms down here. Oh, yeah. Very nice. And I love this because Kinsey's like, let's go. He won't come around if we're hanging around smoking. And then it jumps out right ah. then. You know what I mean? That's really good. It's like that would be the jump scare. That's great. And it's like jumping out and attacking them, but then disappearing again. And they're like, how is it that fast? This goddamn thing can't hide like a coward forever. And Kinsey's like, you're trying to taunt it, Oates. It's a walking corpse. It doesn't get embarrassed. So Oates is like, screw this. Oh, I do want to point out. So the guys out here, it's Kinsey Oates, Gregor, the bearded guy, the grave digger, and then this one dude with the black hair. This guy's a total red shirt. Um, but anyway, he's there too. Yeah. So finally, Oates gets tired of all this, and he just grabs one of the bondies, and he starts taking it out to the water. And as he does it, he's like saying all this, Amu, boo-boo, mandingo, haba, fucking Krakow. You what know what I mean? Shit? Like. Because that thing says all that weird frog language. So he's trying to say, he's making fun of the frog language, which I thought was, I don't know. It's just kind of, after so, yeah. this many of the comics, it's funny to see somebody do oh, that. Oh, it's great. You know I mean? Well, and I like how he's just dragging him. The wide shot, comedy lives in the wide shot. Look at this yeah. wide shot of him just yeah. dragging this guy into the water. Right. It's good stuff. He's like, come get me, sucker. Ah, uh, Gaga Rama. I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> And then it totally jumps out at him. It gets at him. And then the red shirt guy with the black hair jumps out and he totally gets slashed. But then in that moment, the creature gets shot through the head. And again, we talk about Mitten, the way that he does blood and stuff like that. It's a really interesting take on that. I really really enjoy it. I really enjoy the way he does the gore. It's a very interesting style. And we reveal that it was Kinsey. She's the one that got the shot off. She saved Oates, but it looks like this red shirt guy is probably not going to survive. Yeah. And when the monster dies, there's a crack in Miss Caprileone's house. The picture of Saturn devouring his son has fallen to the ground. Mm. So what does that mean? The story's called Saturn Returns. Narrative parallels. Saturn eats people. This thing eats people. When they kill the thing... 
that's eating people like Saturn, then the picture falls. Narrative parallel. Yeah. So anyway, interesting. I just, what do you think about that, Aubrey? Did you have any ideas of the title Saturn Returns or what any of this means with the picture? I, I agree with like Danielle, like the narrative parallel kind of thing. I just figured, you know, that just kind of really cements the fact that just driving um, it on home that the monster really was her dad and you know he's been eating people and so it's got a very similar and it's like saturn eating his kids so it's yeah. just like just assumed it was similar to that kind of thing yeah awesome saturn was a god in ancient roman religion and a character in roman mythology he was described as the god of generation dissolution plenty wealth agriculture periodic renewal and liberation Saturn's mythological reign was depicted as a golden age of plenty and peace. Over in New Haven, now that all this chaos has gone over, we see that Gary, the gangster guy, he's getting arrested or something, so that's good. We also see the restaurant managers talking to Jenny Slate or whoever the waitress was, so, <laughs> oh man, I feel bad for her. And the cops are there with Sue, Hellboy, and Liz, and she's like, they all suck, you're never there. Just a second, pal, Hellboy says, interrupting the cop, trying to talk to Sue. Liz, I will always come back, he says. So I thought this was kind of like... His face there. Yeah. Always come back. Like, what are you doing? I'm coming back. Yeah, yeah. Relax. It's going to be okay. But it also made me think of Devil You Know, because he comes back in the end there, too. You know what I mean? Um, Even at the very, very end. And you know, when you think think about the very, very, very end, this... It makes this scene so much more poignant. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I think that maybe this is why Mark put it, you know, the, yeah, it here in the absolutely. reading order. Sue says, it's good to have someone like that, kiddo, and he can look out for you better than better than I can. And then the cop's like, we still got to talk about Steve. And she's like, yeah, Steve. So I feel like here is where she could finally grieve, I guess. Yeah. We cut over to Fairfield, Connecticut. And so did they bring Dr. McIntyre to... The BPRD headquarters to look at stuff? Because that's that's him, right? It looks that way. It was my first time in the tissue archive. Hell of a collection, sir. No matches, though. My uh, hard science background. Because that's something he told her earlier. But then he doesn't say anything. Is she, like, disappointed? Or is the doctor now rattled because now it's something paranormal and it's not? Mm. Because he was, the whole thing is he was like, you've got a hard science background, but you're here with ghost hunters. And so here she tries to joke around with him about that again, but he's like, he just kind of gives her the cold shoulder, which I thought was... Right. That was interesting. She finally meets with Broom. They're debriefing on the mission, and she gives him that line that the doctor said earlier. More things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in our philosophies. Excuse me, Hellboy ass. Dr. Kinsey dislikes the irresolvable nature of certain of our cases. Good thing you're around to punch things, Kinsey tells Hellboy. You took the thing down after you figured it out. As much as we figured anything out, Kinsey responds. And Broom says that he looked into the thing, and he thinks that Mr. Caprileon was neither a vampire nor a zombie, but a ghoul. And so that made me think of the ghoul, the story where the guy was eating people with a fork and knife. Remember, he had like a little briefcase with all his little like dishes and stuff. Oh, yeah, that guy. And he would quote poetry and eat people. And that one was a weird story because he wasn't really hurting anybody. But Hellboy like totally killed him. Yeah, You know what I mean? In the end, Broom says, we are not comparing the lion to the leopard. There are no genura to identify by counting teeth. 
In other news, the New Haven police chief telephoned. He agreed to drop certain misdemeanor charges against a young woman with whom you found Elizabeth. So she's going to be okay. She's going with her brother to Boston. Broom tells Hellboy, you can tell Liz that her friend is okay, but don't say anything about Boston because we're afraid that she's going to run away there again. Mm. And Hellboy's like, okay. And then he goes up there and he doesn't say anything about it at all, which I thought was interesting. He doesn't tell her anything about that. He says, going to bed? Why are you heading out? She's immediately oh defensive. He's like, I wanted to see if you were up for a game of checkers. And she's like, how about chess? And then so it shows them playing chess together. He's like, is it the castle or the minaret that goes diagonally? Minaret? You mean the bishop? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Who knows? They might have got into it later. They might have talked about other stuff. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. he brings it up later. I'm sure that I like that. just implied that that, that conversation happened. That's what I assume, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah we just like, you know, they're going to be playing the game, and he'll probably be like, oh, yeah, then Broom told me that uh, your friend, uh, she's going to be okay. He also told me not to talk about Boston because he's afraid you're going to run away. No, yeah, Hellboy would just tell you're her. You're not right going to do that, are you? And she's like, nah, I'm not. You know, that's... Right, yeah. So I did have to look this up, of course. A minaret is a type of tower typically built onto or adjacent to moss. The bishop in chess... Some have written that the groove on the piece originated from an elephant, with the groove representing the elephant's tusks. Oh, interesting. The English apparently chose to call the piece a bishop because the proportion at the top resembled a mitra, the hat that religious people wear. The groove was interpreted differently in different countries as the game moved to Europe. In France, for example, the groove was taken to be a jester's cap. Hence, in France, the bishop is called... The jester, foul. Huh. And in Romania, the knee bun. Huh. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. That was interesting. Yeah, so what do you think of this story? We got um we got like some young Hellboy, but not super young like we've seen in the fifties. Yeah. And then we got some teenage Liz. He's kind of like the big brother. Yeah. Here you've got Broom yeah. like the dad who's like, I don't know what to do with this kid. And then Hellboy's <laughs> like the big brother who comes home from college like i'm coming back i just went to school it's fine and she's like no you left me forever you know, it's one of those kind of a deal which is it's cute you get a little bit more of that i i like that i like a little bit more of yeah the, liz is a kid and hellboy is trying to you know be there for her and all that sort of yeah. thing and so yeah that's um it ended up being super poignant because uh i just kept thinking about like the the very end right. of it and everything and how that ended up and so it's just really uh yeah and I, and I liked Kinsey. I thought yeah. she's like the Scully of sure. this this version, this yeah. 1970s BPRD, right? She was a good character. I even liked Oates. I liked all the people. They were good. Well, all I'm, the townspeople were really cool. Yeah, I mean, the, it was good uh, yeah. writing. It was good writing. It was yeah. good uh, art. The line work and the color and everything. Everything was um, was good. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great segue, Danielle. Let's talk about the sketchbook really quick. I did want to talk about this, if yeah. you don't mind. Uh, page 135. In the sketchbook, we get an unused cover, unused sketch for issue one by Christopher Mitten. We also get an amazing, uh, his roughs here, I guess, of that double page splash where they first find all the bodies. God, this is incredible. And then when you turn it, it's like the pencils. And this is mind-blowing, man. Like, this is such a treat if you get the trade paperback. Or eventually yeah, when the omnibus comes out, because, oh my god, these and... little, uh, the pencils are amazing to look at, if you like looking at this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Um, We also get some different versions of the cover. Um, I like this cover where Hellboy is falling down and we see Liz's eyes and the little flame. I think that's a really cool one. This is what I wanted to get to is the covers. Yeah, so check out these amazing covers. I wish they had put them in the middle of the story. But the cover to issue two, you know, it's got Liz and she's sitting on this Volkswagen. I guess this is the New Haven stuff and it's kind of intermingling with Hellboy and the monster. And then uh, the cover to issue three is, God, that is one of my favorite covers of all time. I mean, yeah, this this issue two cover is phenomenal. I mean, I love it. (laughs) Oh, see, I like three better. I just, God, I love that with the flowers and everything. Just outstanding work. Dynamic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like all all three of them are just great. (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, So glad to have another book club episode this week. I'm excited to hear what you guys thought of the episode and of this story. What what does Saturn Returns mean to you? How does that fit into the themes of the story? It's good to be back. It's good to be back on our regular book club routine. We'll have another great episode for you next week. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. Like John said, it is great to be back. And it was great to read this fun story, Saturn Returns. I want to hear what you think. You can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link tree on our Instagram and Twitters. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gartahan for the theme music. Thank you, Paul. And thank you for being on the episode. Thank you to Mark Tweedell for helping with the reading order. Thank you, John, for being an editing wizard. And thank you, Danielle, for just being awesome with all your great insights (laughs) you can find the podcast on podbean apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from next week we are reading which finder which finder which finder which finder city of the dead issues one and two so you know what to do pull out those issues trades back issues hoopla app use some psychic powers to read them from your friend's copy (laughs) and join us next week on the hellboy book club podcast Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lovo saying, first one in makes the coffee. Ah. All I'm saying. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Oh, man. Thanks, everybody. We love you guys. Bye.